today I want to I want to continue on the 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 covenant core, and uh, I, I put little. I'm going to put it up on on the screen again here with uh, Lord willing uh, the uh, the definition, a working definition of the covenant. And but for those who aren't taking pictures, or want to, I put little little papers along here if you want to grab one or pass one. Someone wants to raise your hand, grab it and pass it on, and you can take it with you. I kind of spread a few out around if if you need some, you want to take it with you and. Someone said, I, I moved too fast, I talked too fast. I said, I, that was my slow mode last time. That was, I was purposely slowing down. So uh, I put it in writing so it would help you a little bit um, in that. And so uh, I want to I wanna take my text from Joshua chapter 9, verse 1. I'm going to just hold on there. I'm going to talk just a little bit before I read that. And... Um, I just am so full of this covenant message that has, it has just, how, how can I explain? It has given me such a revelation of grace to me. It's just, it's brought a greater understanding of, of the working, that divine, the God's divine influence upon our lives. Like, it's just been an amazing thing. Pastor Lee started back in May uh, ministering on this. He's ministered on to know what is the blood of the new covenant. The cross of the new covenant, the new covenant kingdom, the new covenant kings, the new covenant authority, the new covenant kings and kingdom authority, the new covenant priests, the new covenant works, and the new covenant walk. And he did like sometimes three or four parts to each of those. And so it's just been a a great, just a great revelation to me as well as as I begin to study this. And I encourage you to begin to study the new covenant, begin to get an understanding of that. You know, we we have the words New Testament, Old Testament, it's really Old Covenant, New Covenant. You know, I realized as I began to, to listen to Pastor Lee's teaching on covenant, really, I didn't understand covenant. Um, uh, I, and, and truthfully, I, I don't know if as Americans it's a natural thing to understand covenant. You know, I, I said it before, how many people go around saying covenant all the time? Who's ever used the word covenant very often? I mean, we just don't, even, even in a marriage ceremony, even though it's a covenant, we don't go around saying they've made a, a covenant. We don't even still use that word covenant, and yet... The, the, the atmosphere of the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation is covenant. And so I, I, I believe to really get a clear understanding of, of the Word of God, the work of grace in our life, we have to understand this covenant that God has made between Him and His Son and us. So, and I, and I think last time I asked you all who could give me a definition of, uh, of what covenant meant and Someone has some good good answers, and uh, it's not a contract. It's not a negotiable contract. Covenant is far, uh, far above the exchange of property and things. It's the giving of one's whole person, whole self, and life to another, and wholehearted receiving of that other person in his or her life. I kind of, uh, like I said, I give you a little definition there, but uh, to understand the, the gospel, the good news fully, we have to understand the new covenant, and um, the old covenant was made with Israel at Mount Sinai. I'm just going to review just a little bit before I get into the covenant oath today. The family unit was understood as, as covenant. Each family member being tightly knit to the others had a sense of covenant responsibility. They understood covenant. The old covenant was made with Israel at Mount Sinai through Moses, their representative. Talked last time about the representative. It was the covenant of the Ten Commandments, the sacrificial system of offering up lambs, bulls, and goats to cover the sins of the people. The mark and seal of membership in the covenant was the circumcision of the male. Now, the new covenant is called new because it has made all that went before it old 
and no more use of any means of self, no more use for salvation. It was not just another covenant that is improved upon. I know some people may confuse that, that, you know, it's not like you have a, a, a 2019 Silverado and now you're getting a new 2023 Silverado. It's not like that. It's kind of like a whole new transportation, a whole new way of traveling. That's kind of the, the comparison slightly between the old covenant and the new covenant. That's why they, 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 they couldn't get it. The disciples, you're like, why didn't the disciples get that? No, for them, it, it was like saying now we're going to walk through portals to, to be transported, you know. Uh, it, it, they go, portals? Well, what does that mean, you know? Uh, young people might understand a little better than the video games, but but uh, I'm just saying that's it's a whole new form of transportation in, in the comparison. The old covenant and the new covenant now, it, they couldn't even imagine, they couldn't even think, who could imagine that God would become flesh? Who could even think that way? Nobody. And then to come and to die on a cruel cross. Who could even get a hope? See, for us, it's just like, oh yeah, we hear this, but for the old covenant to the new covenant, it was different. He couldn't understand it. The, the covenant is mediated by the Lord Jesus and established by his blood. Membership is being sealed by the Spirit of God who writes the law on, on the heart and in the desires of men and women. He is the power of the covenant, enabling those within it to live its promises. So I talked last time about a, when a group of people prepared to enter the covenant with another party, they selected a man from among them to represent the covenant. The word represent means to present again, to represent. And so the representative was to speak and act on their, as, a, as all of everyone's authority. So now we think more individually that the covenant is thinking in the sense of representative. The one represents the all. And I, I took the scripture really a kind of a unique one of Goliath uh, and David where that Goliath said, you kill me, you defeat the army. I kill your greatest, I defeat Israel. So all, all of Israel was bound up into David. No longer was he a, a private citizen when he stepped out to fight that giant. Now all of Israel was summed up in him. His victory was their victory. Every man, woman, and child experienced that victory or they would experience that defeat. It was a representative and now all into the whole. Pilate, whenever he had beat Jesus, he stepped out and he said, Behold the man, which really the word, uh, it really is this. It's really he said, Behold man. He didn't know it. Prophetically, he was saying that this is man summed up in one man, Jesus Christ, as he now steps into the, uh, to the place to take our place as our representative. That's how, but, but uh, you know, I don't I really understood what it meant to say when Jesus died, he died for all. How can one man die for all? But he was our representative. He took our place in that sense. Knowing the needs and desires of those he represents, the representative represents their case, speaking as and for them to the other party of the covenant. The representative had to be of the same blood, the same family. He, he had to so gather the tribe. So Jesus, God couldn't just come as God because he, could, he couldn't represent man because he's God. He's divine. He had never experienced pain. He never experienced death. He never experienced hunger. He was not, he wouldn't bleed. So in order for him to represent us, he had to become flesh. In order for him to represent us, he had to be perfect. He could not die for his own sins. If he had sin, he would just simply die for himself. But he had to be of more value when he came to die, more value than any, any mankind. So the only one that could be more valuable than mankind to God is his only son. To die as our representative. It's good stuff, isn't it? He's also known as the guarantee of the covenant. So now, uh, I, I, I don't think I put up the definition of the covenant. Um, 
And I, I put the little papers out there for you to look at. And uh, uh, you can look at take a picture of it. I'm not going to go over that again because I really want to get into the rest part of this about the, the oath. But anyhow, God had a radical agenda of love here. He reaches to every man and woman to reconcile them, to bring them back to himself. To include us in the circle of his intimate friendship. To return each of us to, to the place of our creation. How did he achieve this goal of total transforming the man and the woman who was dead in their sin? It's an amazing thing, isn't it? He did it through the new covenant. He did it through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the new covenant. He is summed up in the new covenant. Uh, I, hope, I hope just briefly this morning to cover on the covenant oath, God's seals, God's initiative, God's seal, and God's faithfulness. God's initiative, God's seal, and God's faithfulness. And I, I really wanted to get to the faithfulness, which is my last point. I almost thought about doing it in reverse today, but I've never preached that way before. So I want to build upon the other, but... The seal. So I'm going to read the passage of Scripture here in just a minute in, in Joshua. But a covenant is made with an oath. So God took the pattern of human covenant here, and he used that to create his covenant. Probably he gave him the pattern of covenant, truthfully. Um, but he used that then to create it. So from that, I, as I begin to study, I begin to realize the pattern of, the, of man's covenant and understood a little clearer on how God's covenant worked. And so that's why you read about the, the oath that God swore by himself. And you read about this oath that was made. When we get into Joshua, you read about an oath that was made. Now, we're all, you know, we live in a world of Americans. We're all pretty much liars in some way. I'm talking to myself. I know you say, well, that's pretty bold statement. What? Who here is not a liar? Don't raise your hand because then you're a liar. <laughs> You'll really be exposed. We don't understand oaths, really, like, like, they, like God understands an oath. When he gave an oath, he, first he can't lie. But when, he, when, when an oath was made, they, they, they kept it until they died. They, they, it didn't matter what happened to him. Even David, whenever Mephibosheth came against him, what you know, and, he, and all that happened there, and, and he, he still came back and he blessed him. Why? Because he had made an oath with his father, Jonathan, and that oath was until I die. It doesn't matter how bad you treat me. It doesn't matter what happens. The oath is going to go. I will not break my oath. So the covenant partners of the Old Testament called upon God to be a witness of the truth of their word. So when families or whenever um, tribes would get together, they'd make a covenant with each other. The oath was between them, but also the oath was with God. So this oath was to say, God, if I don't keep this oath, then I expect judgment from you. I expect death from you. It was that serious. And we're going to see here in Joshua that God honored that covenant oath amazingly. They called upon God to keep an ever-present watch over the parties to ensure that the covenant was being kept. Okay, I'm going to try to slow down. I know I get rolling because I am excited about this. I'm not easily excited, truthfully. And God became the third party of the covenant. So once made with the oath, a covenant was non-negotiable. It could not be altered. Not like a contract. It couldn't be changed. It was permanent forever. So, court demands an oath, and we've talked about that, you know, so help me God. I kind of briefly had talked about the oath before, but... So, in the Old, in the Old Testament, a covenant was sealed with an oath by both parties to the covenant. Their oaths and calling on God to be a witness was a guarantee to the covenant. 
in the new covenant that God makes with us, he swears by who? By himself. He is the guarantee both of the human and divine side of that covenant, which shall be kept and made forever. So if, how much help did he get from us? Zero. No help from us. It was a unilateral covenant originating solely with him and freely offered to man as a gift. Ooh, I like gifts. Don't you like gifts? A covenant based on the oath of God who swears by himself because he can swear by no greater. I'm not swearing like we think of swearing today. This is the absolute certainty that we have of the covenant. What is this absolute certainty? It's that he gave an oath and he swore by himself. It is, it is made and guaranteed by who? By God. If made by us, how long would the oath last? A couple hours maybe? Especially with that old sin nature. My dog is the epitome of sin nature. If I close the door, he wants out. If I open the door, if I, he wants in. It doesn't matter. If it's a law that says you can't do that, that's what he wants to do. If made by us, it'd be over... Hebrews 6, 13 and 14. It says... For when God made promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing, I will bless thee, and multiplying, I will multiply thee. So that's the seal. The seal is his oath. The second is the initiative. The initiative for our salvation, for our deliverance, for our hope, for our relationship, for our holy walk with him has come from where? It's come from God. Did we initiate this? Did you initiate your salvation? Did you even initiate him wanting to get saved? Did, what, did you do anything? What did you do to be saved? What initiative did you take on your part and me? What did we do? Go, Adam and Eve in the garden. So when he spoke to them, did they, did they, did they say, God, forgive me? Forgive me of my sins? Did they initiate this covenant, this salvation? No, what did they say? I've, you know, uh, uh, they hid from him. So they dodged his questions. No one said, oh, I repent. Please cover me. No, they, they probably took the, the tree, the, the leaves from the tree that they ate of and covered themselves. Think about that one. So God's initiative then was he had to, he had to provide covering for them. And you say, well... We're not going to get into that right now, but obviously they already had a covering. What they need him to kill a lamb for and cover them? John three nineteen says, and this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world. And what men do what? They love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds are evil. It all hangs on God. God announced what he would do to save mankind. He said, what? I will put enmity between what? The and the woman between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. God's initiative, not man's. No reference to humans being a part of this is that he's a guarantor of the covenant. Amen. It's all based upon him, his initiative. You say, what does that mean for us today? It's still his initiative in our lives. 
It's still him that draws us and woos us. It's still his work of grace, his divine influence in our lives. It hasn't changed. It's still his initiative. He reaches out. We love him. Why? Because he first loved us. Isn't that freeing in your heart to know that it's not about your initiative? Throughout the Old, the Old, the Old Testament, God gave details as to how this new covenant would be made known. And there's a whole bunch of it, but I'm just going to read a few of the I wills. I wills. Don't you like it when you need something and you ask somebody, would you do this for me? They say, I will. That's what God's done. So we haven't even asked him. <laughs> he just tells us, I will. <laughs> I will. Without even asking, he says, I will. I was trying to think the other day. I, I, I didn't grow up. We were poor, so I, I, I never asked parents for money. I wouldn't have got it. They asked, they, they asked me for money, truthfully, all the time. Because I always seemed to have money, always working, always busy. And I would find money. My dad, he, my dad was an alcoholic. You know, he said, Joe, Joe, he called me Joe. Joe, Joe, you could fall in a mud hole, come out smelling like a rose. But he didn't understand it was God's blessings, you know. He didn't understand that I, I love the Lord and I gave every chance I get to him, gave my time, gave everything. Any little money I got, would give it. And so God would bless me. And I, I'd be in a ditch playing and find a $20 bill. Well, you know, in the, seven, in the 70s, $20 bill was a lot of money. And so... But this is this shall be the covenant that I okay, look, Jeremiah thirty one thirty three. If you're fast enough, you can turn there. If you're not, then make a note of it and read it again. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in the inward parts and write it in their hearts, and will be their God, and they shall be my people. They shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity. I will remember their sins no more. Whew, don't you love it? Isn't it awesome? Ezekiel 36, 25 and 27. So that was Jeremiah 31, 33 and 34. Ezekiel 36, 25 and 27. See, I'm trying to slow down. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean. What did he say? Then what? Then will I, or I will. From all your filthiness and from all your idols, I will cleanse you. A new heart also I will give you, and a new spirit I will put in you. I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you. Hallelujah. I need his grace working in me. And cleanse you and cause you to walk in my statutes. I will. And you shall keep my judgments because I will. And you will do them because I will. For God to swear by himself is shocking. What If he, if he failed, everything would be over. Right? You think about the shockiness of God swearing by himself. But it, it was, what was the purpose of that? It was to understand his absolute, unchangeable purpose. He added his words to the old covenant oath that I, I swear by myself that he will fulfill it. It's to all who call upon him. Hebrews 6, 16 and 18 through 18. For men verily swear by the greater an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. 
wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Oh, I love his word, don't you? The next attribute of the covenant oath is his absolute faithfulness. And, and as I began to study this, this, this just stirred me. I'll tell you what it did, it's, it's given me a rest. And I pray it does that for you as well. So, so let's, read, um, let's read my text. I'm going to try to read it from, from this uh, CSB. I love this little version. I, I'm a King James guy pretty much all the way, but I've been, I got this big, some preachers need no Bibles. I need several in order to preach here. But Joshua chapter 9. Um, verse 1. Actually, I'm going to skip all their names. I'm going to read verse 3. When the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they acted deceitfully, deceptively. They, they gathered provisions and took worn-out sacks on their donkeys and old wineskins cracked and mended. They wore old patched sandals on their feet and threadbare clothing on their bodies. Their entire provision of bread was dry and crumbly. They went to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal and said to him and the men of Israel, We have come from a distant land. Please make a treaty with us. Verse 7. The men of Israel replied to the, to the Hivites, Perhaps you live among us. How can we make a treaty with you? They said to Joshua, We are your servants. Then Joshua asked him, Who are you and where did you come from? They were suspicious here. They replied to him, Your servants have come from a faraway land because of the Reputation of the Lord your God, for we have heard of his fame and all that he did in Egypt. And all that he did to the two Amorite kings beyond the Jordan, King Sion of Heshbon and King Og of Bashan, who was, who was in Ashtaroth. So our elders and all the inhabitants of the land told, told, told us, take provision with you for the journey. Go and meet them and say, we are your servants. Please make a treaty with us. The spread of ours is warm when we took it from our house. It's Food on the day we left to come to you. But see, it's, it's now dry and crumbling. These wineskins were new when we filled them. But see, they are cracked. And these clothes and sandals of ours are worn out from the extreme long journey. Then the men of Israel took some of their provisions, but did not seek the Lord's decision. So Joshua established peace with them and made a treaty with them. Uh, live, made a treaty to let them live. And the leaders of the community swore an oath to them a covenant they made with them and then what happened three days after the making of the treaty with them they heard that the Gibeonites were their neighbors imagine that so so now verse 18 but the israelites did not attack them because the leaders of the community had sworn an oath to them by the lord the god of israel then the whole community grumbled against the leaders all the leaders answered them, we have sworn an oath to them by the Lord, the God of Israel, and now we cannot touch them. This is how we will treat them. We will let them live so that no wrath will fall on us because of the oath we swore to them. They also said, let them live. So the Gibeonites became woodcutters and water carriers for the whole community as the leaders had promised them. And then down in verse, uh, let's see, in chapter 10. Um, verse 6, it says, Then the men of Gibeon sent word to Joshua in the camp of Gilgal, don't give, don't give up on your servants. Come quickly and save us. 
help us for all the Amorite kings living in the hill country have joined forces against us. So all these kings, when they heard what they did, they didn't take it too well because they were supposed to be part of their group there, part of their allies. So Joshua and all his troops, including all his best soldiers, came from Gilgal. The Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid of them, for I have handed them over to you. Not one of them will be able to stand against you. So Joshua caught them by surprise after marching all night from Gilgal. The Lord threw them into confusion before Israel. He defeated them in a great slaughter at Gibeon, chased them through the ascent of of Bethron, and struck them down at Ezekiah. As they fled before Israel, the Lord threw large hailstones on them from the sky along the descent. And they died. More of of them died from the hail than for the Israelites killing them with the sword. Verse 12. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to the Israelites, Joshua spoke to the Lord in the presence of Israel. Sun, stand still over Gibeon and moon over the valley of Ascalon. And the sun stood still and moon stopped until the nation took vengeance on its enemies. Isn't this written in the book of Jazar? The sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed its setting almost a full day. There has been no day like it before or since when the Lord listened to a man because the Lord fought for Israel. Then Joshua and all Israel with him returned to the camp of Gilgal. So this passage of scripture, it's amazing. Let me just say this real quick. What makes this so amazing is that God honored the oath made to a bunch of liars, a bunch of deceptive people. When you think about how how this oath that was made between them and God Not only did God keep it, but God did one of the greatest miracles of all history. He stopped the sun and moon from rotating on its axis. Think about how incredible that is. Every, every, every culture talks of a day where it was long. Joey was telling me that. Joey studies that stuff. He he gets, he likes that. So it's, it's amazing to me that that's how when God makes an oath. Look how important that is. That he would give a great miracle to the children. He would honor that to these Gibeonites who, who, who were deceptive and deceived them to make it happen. I don't know. I just, it blows my mind with God when an oath is made. He's going to keep it. He knew that they were liars. He knows we're all liars. His faithfulness is the foundation and operation of his covenant oath. That's what I want to get here real clear. His faithfulness is the foundation and operation of his covenant oath. He did not need to swear an oath to bind himself, to keep his covenant, but a revealing of who he is. He's faithful. That's why he did that. The root word for faithfulness is a a man, meaning to be certain, enduring, to trust or believe. It comes from the, guess what root word we get from that? Amen. Did you know that when you say amen, you're saying God is faithful? The second part of that word is is admit. And it means truth. And the third part is imuna, which is faithfulness. Altogether, we have a God who is reliable, constant, and unchangeable. Reliable, constant, and unchangeable. He says, if we believe not yet, he abideth faithful because he cannot deny himself. I don't know what you're going through today, but listen to me. He's faithful. He's faithful. For I am the Lord, I change not, he says. All that God is, he always is. He never contradicts himself or acts in a way that is inconsistent with himself. He cannot improve or degenerate from himself. Who he is is who he is, who he was, and who he forever will be. He's faithful. 
there's a passage, Psalm 18. I like chapter 18 of Psalms. And it says, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler, the horn of my salvation, my high tower. He is faithful. That's what it's saying. He is faithful. You can count on that rock is always there. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not, shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing whether to I send it. Joey and I went to the Infinity Science Museum in, in, in Burlington, Mississippi. And we got to go in to see the, the, the Hubble telescope and the James Webb telescope. James Webb is just massively incredible. And as they would go into space... They, they, they would go, we thought these stars were stars, but they're galaxies. And what got me was that there's still, there's still suns that are being created. And they got to go in and watch them in their beginning stages. What that says when God said, let there be light, light is still creating. We, we didn't know that until this, this, this thing did this, this Hubble, this web. Now we know that when God speaks, his word is still going forth. Light is still being created. That's amazing, isn't it? And it will be for all eternity because he spoke it. He is faithful in the foundation of our faith. Faith looks outside of itself to God who made the promise. Now get this, get this clear. Faith rests solely on the character of God and the new covenant oath he swore. Faith is the committing of our whole person, past, present, and future, to the faithfulness of God. Faith is totally absorbed with Him, with Jesus, the new covenant. That's faith. There's a world of false faith. Let me just say that. There's positive thinking. There's new age. There's witchcraft. There's pseudo-faith. There's born out of the flesh. Faith is not an energy that resides within the believer that we can use to force God's hand. Listen to me. That's not faith. That's an evil doctrine. Or have faith in your faith. That is the most absurd, ridiculous thing I've heard before. But faith in your faith, what is that? It is not a mental struggle of intense focusing thought. It's not a repeating of a promise of God's word like a spell. Faith is not a formula. Listen to me. Faith is not a formula. Faith is rooted in our relationship with our precious Lord Jesus Christ. That has been established by his faithfulness, by his covenant, by his new covenant. Jesus, the new covenant. Faith rests in the person, Jesus Christ. Faith is found in the beholding and responding to his faithfulness, to the new covenant. Faith is found in the beholding and responding to his faithfulness in the new covenant. Are you getting that? We trust in his character that what he has spoken, he will do. It's in Him. Faith is bound up in Him. It's not some kind of thing that comes over us. Faith comes from a revelation of the love and faithfulness of God revealed in His Son, Jesus. Faith comes from a revelation of the love and faithfulness of God revealed in His Son, Jesus, who is the new covenant. He is the author. He is the finisher of what? Of our faith. So faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word of God is not just the ink. Listen, this is not the word. It is the word, but it's not, it's not the paper. It's not the lettering. Listen, I can put this and I can stop it. I can burn it. That doesn't mean I'm killing truth here. It's a piece of paper. It's got ink on it. Well, some people, they're, they're just so superstitious. Some people be like, oh my. I got to carry the word with me. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word is flesh and blood. 
It's not just words on a paper. Faith is relationship with him, a submission to him, to obedience to him. Faith focuses on him, Jesus, our covenant. Not a focus on the hand of God, but upon him. His promise, his faithfulness, who he is, what he's done. What has he done? He gave us life. He's the representative. He shed his blood. He rose again. He sent us his spirit. From that faith and trust will arise. We will arise in his faithfulness. This makes Christianity so different from any other religion on earth because it's based solely upon the oath of God, the I will. Everything else is not is based upon man and doing something. But God and his covenants, I will. That makes that makes it good news, doesn't it? Oh, I'm doing good. I got through this. I want to cover it all. The gospel is not struggle. Get this. This last one is just really good. But it's surrender. Now, I think surrender is negative. Who thinks surrender is negative? Okay, I'm glad you're all so holding good today. What are we surrendering to? We're surrendering to what? His rest. Oh, I need rest. <laughs> a surrender to his rest. What does that mean? A surrender to his I will. It's his work of grace. It's him working in us. It's not a surrender like I'm losing everything. Oh, no, I'm going to surrender. Now he's going to send me to deep, dark Africa where I'm going to suffer and not be able to eat. And they're going to kill me. That's a whole surrender. Not everything I like and love, I got to give up. I surrender to you, God. No, it's a surrender to his rest. Not a bad thing. Come to the end of your struggle. Let's come to the end of our struggle today. Can we do that? Can we come to the end of our struggle? Failing attempts to live godly. Let's come to the end of that. Let's choose Christ. Let's, choose, let's put our faith in him. Let's allow the I will to be the I will in our lives. Let me pray. Let me pray this prayer. Lord, I just pray today. Remove our guilt and our shame. Free us from the authority of sin and death. Free us from the struggle, I pray. Cause us to rest in you, to rest in your faithfulness. Work your grace in us and through us, Lord, I pray. Give us the motive. Give us the desire, enabling power to live and love for you, God, and for our neighbor. Make us understand where we belong and who we belong to. Free us from the bondage of Satan and all the powers of darkness. Grant us the knowledge, God, that is with that you are with us and your blessing us in all we do. Bring us to the revelation of our union with you, Christ Jesus, knowing you through the power of your spirit. I want to open these altars up. Maybe you're in a struggle. Maybe you've been in a struggle. I want to make these altars open. Whatever you're going through, why don't you come? Why don't you come this morning?